Well, it is a great joy for me to be here with you. Thank you for coming, for being part of this time together. It's just, it's just a privilege to come back again to Cedar Mill Bible Church. This is the church that we love, and we've loved this church for a long time. So we're blessed to be here. You know, we live in a very interesting and challenging time uh, in these days, and we probably would all agree with that. Um, some of us would probably not be too happy with the words interesting and challenging. We'd probably substitute other words. It's been really hard. Uh, many people have, would say this has been a heartbreaking time, an, an absolutely staggering, difficult time, full of excruciating pains and problems and difficulties. And other people uh, probably wouldn't be able to identify with that, but they would know that this is a really challenging and many ways discouraging time and, and painful for a lot of us. But we, of course, we've had dif difficult times before, haven't we? we? We've always had difficult times. But this is a unique set of circumstances uh, in our world, in our country, um, in our church, in our families, uh, in our own personal situations. So what I want to talk to you for a few minutes today is about what do believers do in times like this? What do followers of Jesus do? What? We, we are people who say we believe. In fact, we call ourselves believers. We believe in the Word of God. We believe in God. And so what do we do? Um, of course, we can focus on the circumstances, and it's, it's kind of easy to do that. But if we focus on the circumstances and the challenges and the questions and the problems that we face, uh, a lot of times that just leads to discouragement and more questions and confusion and sometimes anxiety. Or we can focus not on what we see, not on what we've experienced in these days or feel perhaps, but we can focus primarily on what it is we believe. And what do we believe? We call ourselves believers, so what do we believe? Well, we would say we believe in God. We believe God is a creator. We believe he is great. We believe he is all-powerful. We believe he's sufficient. He, we believe he is the one who sustains us. And, and we say that we believe he is good and that he cares and that he watches over us. And, and, and we know that he rescues and he heals and he takes care of us. And, and, we, and we also believe that he intervenes in times of difficulties and struggles and and we know that at any time he can change the circumstances. But the other thing we know is that he often doesn't. Many times he lets those circumstances, even the really difficult circumstances, continue a lot, a lot of times for a long, long time. And, and so we have this difficulty where we believe that God can rescue and heal and change circumstances and, and he can cause the problems to go away or sometimes our experience is that he doesn't do it. He just doesn't do it. And we wonder why, and sometimes we're full of questions. And when we look at our life, we realize that all of our experience is not that good, right? That we haven't always been rescued, that we haven't always been healed, and we haven't always had our situations changed so that we felt like, okay, now our problem has gone away. Um, in these past two years of this thing that we call the COVID-19 pandemic, 
And then things that have happened to us personally and in our nation. And this gives us an opportunity to face this head on, honestly. And there's a place in the Word of God that has really helped me. Uh, doesn't solve all my problems, but it has helped me in my thinking. And if you're like me, you need some help in your thinking. So uh, let me refer it to you again. And you probably are familiar with it. It's Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9. It reads like this. For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. It says that the Lord declares this. So what we need to do is we need to look at like the primary truth of that verse. What is it that the Lord declares? And it's pretty simple. Well, it's not simple, but it's clear that God has ways and he has thoughts. And his ways and his thoughts are higher than our ways and our thoughts. In fact, they're so much higher, like the difference between Earth atmosphere and the farthest place of the universe. His thoughts and his ways are higher like that. Thoughts and ways. Thoughts, of course, is what you think, right? What are you thinking? And ways is what it is you do. So God's thinking and his doing, his thoughts and his ways are higher than ours. Of course, he's trying to teach us about understanding his thoughts and his ways, but we have a long, long ways to go. And his thoughts and his ways are so far beyond our, ours. And the reality is that God thinks differently than we do, and God acts differently than we do, and, and we spend this whole lifetime sort of figuring that out and being surprised again and again. In fact, that's the word that comes to me, surprise. Surprise, so many things about following the God that we worship are a surprise. So think in your own life, what has happened to you? What has happened to you in the past year and a half or two years. What is happening now? Both the good and the bad. And what have we learned from it? Or what are we lear learning from it? And what do we do? What does God want of us? This word surprise sort of captures it for me. So I want you to think about that. Surprises, of course, are some are good and some are bad and some are sort of neutral. Um, and we've had many, many surprises so think about your life in the past two years and how many surprises you've experienced. Or think about the lives of people that you know and that you care about. Or think about world history, all the surprises that have happened. Or, or think about our nation. Or think about God's word. Does God's word portray the surprises of God's ways? Oh, it sure does. It's amazing how things change in our lives, sometimes very, very slowly, and other times, like really quickly, it's like surprise and everything changes. I think we would probably say that this COVID pandemic has been one of the hardest sort of slap in the face moments of world history. It just came suddenly and now it's here and now we're trying to deal with it and it's gone on for so much longer than we thought. And, and we realize now that everything can change in a moment. And you know that, right? When you get the phone call or somebody says this to you and your life changes in a moment. It, it's amazing how fast life can change. So what is important for us to know? 
What is important for us really to understand and to know and to do in the face of this reality? What, it is, what is it that we should do? And the first thing I want to say to you is that we should just know and understand that we are the children of a surprising God. We are the children of a Father who does unexpected things. And we probably all know this down deep in us, but it's just good to think about it again, that our God's thoughts and His ways are above our thoughts and our ways, and He does unexpected things. Sometimes He does things, or sometimes He allows things, and sometimes we can't figure out, did He do that or did He allow it? And it's sort of fruitless to try to figure that out sometimes. But we have a Father who does unpredictable things. That makes me a little nervous. I, I, I really don't like the idea of an almighty God who does unpredictable things. Uh, I think we like the idea of having a predictable God who, would, who we would know what he's going to do all the time, but that's not the God that we worship or serve. In fact, he might not be quite so worthy of worship if that's the way he was. Of course, he is predictable. Uh, he's predictable in some ways. He's predictable in his character and his nature, his holiness, his glories. He's predictable in what he commands, what he demands of us. He's very predictable in those areas. But then he is unpredictable in so many other things, so many things of this world and so many things of our life. And his thoughts and his ways are just beyond us. And here's where we have the problem. The problem is that if you're like me, you like the idea of a, quote, normal life. You remember how many times we've used the word normal in the past two years? Like, we all want things to go back to normal. I've noticed that we're not saying that too much in these days, but we were for quite a while because we like this stability and the predictability of that everything is reliable and sort of normal again, and we're eager to get back to normal. And we try to have tried to encourage each other with those words, thinking that if we could get back to normal, things would be more stable, they would be more, we'd be more comfortable, we'd have, feel more secure. You remember in the past two years how many times we've said, we've turned the corner, right? And then, we, and then something else happens, like here comes another wave of this, or this thing happens again. I remember a year ago, it was just almost a year ago, when we were saying, good riddance to 2020. Like, we, we're done with 2020. And, and then people would say, I bet 2021 is going to be so much better. And so now, here we are. People said, we're probably going to return to normal in 2021. Now we're hoping maybe 2022. It just hasn't happened. I don't know about you, but I like normal. I, 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 there have been many times in my life when I thought, my life is going to get better and better. My problems are going to get solved. I'm probably going to get more mature. I'm going to like do the right things. I'm going to be more consistent. And, and, and there are many times when I thought God's probably going to fix my problems. And, and then it didn't actually happen the way I thought it would. The reality is that God does not promise to, to give us a normal. He, he doesn't promise to maintain our normal. He just never makes that kind of promise. And when we look back on our lives, we realize that our lives are full of surprise. It's full of so many things that happened that we just, we couldn't predict, we didn't know, they were surprising. Many wonderful, good things, we call them blessings in God's grace, but then some bad things also. 
uh, we've had good surprises and bad surprises. And, and then the more we think about it, we realize it's always been this way. It's always been this way for everybody. It's always been this way for the world. It's always been this way in the Word of God. And when you open the Word of God, when you open the Bible, and you begin sort of searching and reading and thinking about what you've read and what you know about the Bible, you realize that the Bible is full of surprise from the beginning to the end. Think with me for a moment about what you know about the beginning. God created in the very beginning. He, he created Adam, right? And Adam opens his eyes to this surprising, incredible creation of God. And it is amazing, the, the creative ability of God, and there's surprises everywhere. You know, and then God creates Eve and brings Eve to Adam and surprise again. I mean, it's amazing what God has done. And then just a few verses later, another surprise, a snake. The snake comes and within a few verses, nothing will ever be the same again. You keep reading and you, and you come to a man named Noah. You remember Noah? I've always been fascinated by how God talked to Noah about what was going to happen. Surprise, Noah. Um, I want to tell you what's going to happen. There's going to be like this big thing called a flood. And we want, I want you to build a big boat, and I'm going to bring a lot of animals to it, and, and the whole world is going to be flooded. Surprise, Noah. Or you keep reading, you come to Moses, the great champion of the Old Testament Scripture, who, who was the son of slave parents. And surprise, God made him the prince of Egypt. And then surprise again, he had to run from Egypt. And then surprise again, he has to go into the wilderness. And surprise again, 40 years in the wilderness. And he probably thought his life was over. And then surprise, there's this thing that is called a burning bush. And then surprise, God sends him back to Egypt, right? And then there's all the surprising plagues and finally the people are released and they go out and they stop at the Red Sea and surprise, God splits the sea and they walk through and it's then they go into the wilderness right and then they're dying of thirst and surprise God brings water from a rock and then they're starving and God puts food on the ground it's called manna like what is that you keep reading and you come to a a man named David who is a humble shepherd and God makes him the great king of Israel who was the forerunner of our Savior himself. You keep reading, you come to the prophets. The prophets were the people who spoke God's word. And the amazing, surprising thing was during this period of time, God's people turned away from Jehovah and they began to worship idols. Rather than the God who rescued them and saved them and gave them the land, they began to worship idols. And then surprise, the message to the prophets is, is God's going to bring this incredibly evil, violent nation that are going to come and conquer you and carry you off into slavery. And the prophets hated that message, and they, a lot of them got killed because of that message, that surprising, incredible, difficult message. It was amazing. And then a surprise. After a while, the people are released, and they return to their land, and they begin to rebuild. You turn over to the New Testament, and when you look at the New Testament, I mean, of course, Jesus Jesus is the most surprising person on the pages of Scripture, on the pages of world history. We've just been through this time of Christmas. We, call, we talked about the Christmas story 
And when you think about what we call the Christmas story, like every aspect of it is surprising. I mean, angels, right? Shepherds and, I mean, wise men and stars. And I mean, it's surprising. All of it is. One of the things I like to do is I like to think about Jesus, though. After he's called his disciples to him and they begin to follow him around and listen to him uh, and And I can just imagine how many times these disciples have this drop jaw, open mouth, stunned look on their face at the things that Jesus said and the things that Jesus did. He was just constantly surprising, I think, every day. His teachings, surprising. Love your enemies. Do good to those who do bad to you. Forgive. Forgive. 70 times 7, they must have just gone, really? How, how can you do that? And then he began healing people, right? I mean, he did crazy things like lepers. You stayed a long ways away from a leper, more than six feet for sure, right? I mean, lepers had to cry out, and here's Jesus hugging lepers, and the disciples just slack-jawed one more time, and And he reached out and he touched blind people and they could see, touched paralyzed people and they could walk. Then there were some that he came across and people were terrified of these people because they were possessed by a demon. And people are absolutely frightened of these people. And Jesus spoke a word and they were released. You remember the time when there were 5,000 hungry people? And they're all gathered around listening to Jesus teach and the end of the day is coming and the disciples come to Jesus and say, Jesus, send them home. They need to get something to eat. They're getting hungry and we don't have any food here. We got a little boy with a lunch. That's all we have. And Jesus, remember what Jesus did? He turned to the disciples and he said, you feed them. Uh, really? I mean, you feed them? Us? How? I mean, and then there was the time on the lake where Jesus came to them, but he came to them walking on the water. This is a surprise. We've read that so many times, we don't even think about how incredibly surprising that was. And then he gets into the boat and, you know, and the wind and the waves, and he he just commands them and they just calm down and stop. And once more, they're just open mouth wondering. There was the time when Jesus is going to a small village and he's got his disciples with them. And coming out of the village was a widow and she's leading a funeral procession for her only son who had died. And Jesus stops the procession, raises the boy to life, returns him to his mother, and he turned that funeral procession into this dancing, hallelujah, stunned, joyful celebration, and everybody just couldn't hardly believe it. And the longer that he lived, the more they started calling him names. After a while, they started calling him a friend of sinners, which they thought was a great insult, but it was actually one of the most wonderful things they could say about him. But it was a surprise, a friend of tax collectors people like you and me. And then came the big surprise. He was crucified, crucified, killed. No one expected that. Oh, he told him it was coming, but they didn't really expect it. They didn't really believe it. So it was a stunning surprise to them, and they were overwhelmed by the reality of it. 
And then, of course, you know, the greatest surprise of all was resurrection. Like on the third day, he, he comes to life. He rose from the dead, and then he would ascend into heaven, and, and salvation would come. We call it salvation, new life. Everything changes from the inside out. Forgiveness, not just forgiveness for stuff I've done in the past, but forgiveness for everything past, present, and future. New life, eternal life. What a surprise. No, no, nobody knew it was going to be like that, and nobody knew that Jesus would purchase it for us like that. And then he said, now I want you to go into all the world and make disciples. Surprise. All the world? Really? All the world. Go into all the world and make disciples. You keep reading, you come to the book of Acts, and you realize that God continues to do these stunning, incredible things. He sends the Spirit of God to actually live inside of sinful people. It began to change them from the inside out, not about changing their behavior first, but about changing them from the inside. Then there was that guy called Saul of Tarsus. Do you remember? He didn't believe Jesus was the Messiah. He didn't believe that at all. In fact, he was persecuting Christians. He was going after them to try to get them and to throw them into prison. And, and, and you remember he was on this road, we call it the, the road to Damascus. And surprise, Jesus appears to him and changes everything in his life. And he calls him to a new calling. He said, now I'm going to make you uh, an apostle to the Gentiles. Here's Saul of Tarsus, this Pharisee who basically hated Gentiles. Now he's going to go to the Gentiles to tell them about the Jesus he didn't even believe in. Talk about a surprise. But then, then Saul probably thought... Okay, this is going to be good, right? And he's going, to, he's going to make this good. I'll probably be, quote, really successful in doing this because, after all, who I am and who Jesus is. And, and to his surprise, he ends up getting thrown into prison and beaten and stoned and finally killed. The Bible tells us that we are the children of a surprising God, that we are the children of a God who does unpredictable things. The other thing I want to share with you is that, of course, you know that God has a purpose in surprising you. He always has a purpose in this. He has a purpose in stirring us up. He has, he has a purpose in shaking us up. He has, he has a purpose in allowing difficulties in our life. And these things surprise us, right? So many times we just have no clue. And in fact, if it's a surprise, we didn't expect it to happen at all. And, and these things happen in our life and we're just so many times stunned by them because so many times they're difficulties and, and things change and get more, more difficult. We have more problems, more challenges in life, and sometimes there are great heartaches. And, but the reality is, as you see, is that our God, this unpredictable God we worship, he is, he is not committed to maintaining our comfortable. He's not committed to maintaining our normal. He's just not. And it's a surprise to us because we live in a country where like, like we have this right to the pursuit of happiness, right? But the Bible says his thoughts and his ways are different than ours. His plan for our character and our heart and our, and our convictions and our faith is different than ours. And and God uses these surprises to form us and shape us and mature us 
in the surprises of our life. And then he tells us, don't be surprised. Don't be shocked. Don't be afraid. It's amazing that he allows these things, these surprises that are sometimes so stunning, but then he comes right back to us and says, don't be overcome by them. So Peter writes something like this. <coughs> Dear friends, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal that has come upon you. 1 Peter 4.12. Fiery ordeal. This does not sound good to me. Don't be surprised by the fiery ordeal that's come upon you. Or Jesus saying this, Blessed are you when people persecute you. Matthew 5.11. Really? Blessed are you? Or John writes this, 1 John 3.13, Don't be surprised, my brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. That's kind of surprising. I guess I sort of think the world should love us. I mean, we're pretty lovable people, right? The world should love us. But now John is saying, don't be surprised if the world around you just hates you. Our reality, of course, is that we've been surprised. We've been puzzled. We've, we've been hurt. And we, we see over a period of time, sometimes it takes a long time to begin to figure out that it is these very struggles, these sufferings, these hurt, these surprises, that these are the things that God uses most to change us. These are the things that he uses most to shape us and grow us, much more than the easy times, than the normal times, than the comfortable times, than the pleasant times. I tend to like those times, but I'm not greatly changed by them. In fact, when I think about my life, everything deeply significant in my life has come in a time of challenge and sometimes heartache. God doesn't want us to be overcome by the surprises. He says the surprises are coming, but he doesn't want us to be overcome by them. In fact, he's actually training us to learn to trust him in the midst of these things. And he's training us to praise him, even though it's difficult. Praise him in the good and praise him in the bad. And the Bible consistently says, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And woven in there many places are these words, rejoice. Again, I say to you, rejoice. Rejoice always. Is this possible? In the midst of the surprises that are sometimes so difficult? God's word never promises that we're going to find satisfaction in this world. We'll find some satisfaction, some happiness, but we will never find the deepest satisfaction that we long for. The deepest hungers of our heart will never be satisfied here. The greatest longings that we feel, the, the complete healing that we want, the rescue that we long for, the, the safety that we long for is not going to be experienced here. Some of it, yes, thank God. Some of it, yes. To his praise, yes. But God is glorified not by our complete safety in all things. Not here. Not yet. And the purpose of God seems to, be to, glorify, seems to be to glorify himself. And he glorifies himself more when his people stand firm in the times of difficulty, when our faith is increasing and growing, when we, when we grow in trust and dependence, particularly in times when we don't understand, particularly in times when the surprises are hard, particularly when 
we wish it would change and we'd like to get back to something easier or more normal. So what do we do? We expect surprise. We expect surprise. This is what God has told us is going to happen. The third thing I want to say to you is that we are called then to confidently persevere in the surprises of our lives. Persevere, that's an old word, but it still has deep meaning. Persevere means to hang in there. Don't give up. Stay stable. Keep believing. We are called to confidently persevere in the surprises of our lives. When these things come out of left field and smack into our life, God wants us to confidently persevere. It's not that we don't care about them. It's not that we're unaffected. It's not that they don't hurt. They do so many times. Sometimes the surprises are good and sometimes they're bad and we're shaken by the bad so many times. But the message of the word of God for the followers of Jesus Christ, the ones who have been indwelled by his spirit, is he wants us to live our lives not controlled by our circumstances. That is what glorifies God. If we're overwhelmed by our circumstances, then our circumstances get all the glory. But if we stand firm, if we're not overcome by the bad, if somehow we begin to experience stronger faith and love and joy and peace and patience, oh, this is what glorifies God. So what we must do is we must learn to expect the unexpected. We must Learn to be stable when we are surprised. When the unexpected happens to us, and then it goes on for a long time. That's the frustrating part, isn't it? When, when something unexpected happens, and then, and then if it's just like over, then we're happier about it. But if it goes on for a long time and repeats itself, then that is more difficult for us. And the reality is that we can question, right? We can, we can doubt, we can be discouraged, we can become fearful, we can get just tired. And we can begin wondering, does God know? Does God see? Does God care? What will happen? How can we plan? All these things run through our minds. What do we do? What must we do? We believe in a God who is almighty in the midst of the surprise in the midst of the normal, in the midst of the good and the bad. And we choose again to believe that he holds all things in his hands and that he is capable, he is able, he is more than able to change the circumstances. And we grow in our faith and our trust to trust him in the face of the unexpected and the unanticipated things, the changes and the surprises. And we decide again that we believe in a God who is above our circumstances. We decide again that we believe in a God who is sovereign and almighty. We believe in a God where nothing surprises him. Nothing surprises him. So we're called to stand firm in the surprise. We're called to constantly persevere, to not be afraid. And we stand firm and we honestly face these things, not in our own strength and our own ability, but we, we say, God, if you have allowed this in my life, surely you will give me what I need. Some people say God will never give you anything more than you can handle. Uh, not so. 
The truth is that God will never give you more than he can handle in your life as he fills you with his ability and his strength. And even then, many times it's going to be very difficult. So what do we do? We stand firm, we pray, we vent to our Father. That's what the book talks about. That's a lot of Psalms and, and the epistles and the prophets. We count on each other. That's why we need each other. That's why we need to be together. That's why we need our brothers and sisters, because we're all experiencing these different surprises in life, and we don't really know what's happening to the people that we love and we care about unless we are together and share and pray together. We need to face the surprises together as a family, the family of God and our own personal family. We need to encourage one another. We need to pray. And God calls us to all these things. And we choose and we struggle to live by faith and not by sight. Because that is what brings God glory. Not that everything is fixed someday, but not yet. We decide one more time that we believe that God is a king and that God one day is going to change everything. Oh, and one more thing. The surprises have only just begun. You know that, don't you? The surprises have only just begun. There's lots more surprises coming. And in this world, there will be more surprises coming in your life, some good and some bad. But there's coming a day, my friends, when the surprises will be all good, all good. All good, but more and more surprises. God has so much more to show us, so much more to give us, so much more that is new and surprising that we have never, ever seen before. That's why Jesus said little, he sort of drops little amazing truths like, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and I'm going to come again, and I'm going to take you to be with me so you can be with me where I am. I'm going to prepare a place. Does that excite you? I mean, do you, do you think, whoa, I wonder what that's going to be like. Surely it's going to be staggering, incredible, beautiful, and so surprising. One of the great tragedies is that some people think heaven's going to be boring, like we're going to sit on clouds and play harps. And no. You know, and that comes from really bad songs and old medieval paintings, you know. But when you read the scripture, you realize, no, 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 no. We're going to be with Jesus. We're going to look into his eyes. We're going to see his face. We're going to see his scars. We're going to see angels. We're going to see the very throne of God. And then, and resurrection is going to happen. We're going to get new surprising bodies. One day I am going to be awesome. It's going to be great that the surprises that God has in store for us for our future are beautiful. They're glorious. They're absolutely perfect. And those surprises will be ours forever. And there will be more and more and more and more forever because our God is an infinite creator. More surprises are coming so these three things, my friends. You are a child of a surprising God. You are a child of a father who does unexpected things. So understand his ways and his thoughts are above ours. 
The second thing is, is that God has a purpose in your surprises, in the surprises that have happened to you in the past days or weeks or months or years. And he has a purpose in the surprises that are yet to be experienced. He has a purpose and he wants to accomplish things. He is actually taking all things and weaving them together for your good. That's his promise to us. And the third thing is, is that you are called to confidently persevere in the surprises of your life. He has a purpose in them, and he calls you now to persevere, to focus on the glory of God, not just how you feel about it or think about it. Because the glory of God in your life is really all about your peace and your joy and your faith and your ability to stand firm in the times of difficulty. A new year. Will it be better? Will it be normal? Will it be really, really good? Have we turned the corner? Is it going to be safe? I don't know. I just don't know. But in this new year, we have Jesus. And even greater yet, he has us. So whatever it is that happens, we have the great surprise. He has given to us himself. He has given to us his life. He has given to us his very blood. He has us. So do you have the bread and the juice to celebrate communion together? Let's do that now. Let's turn our attention one more time to Jesus and think about what he said. Even that night, that night gathered around this table. I mean, they had like a ritual that they were supposed to go through, through the Passover, the, the meal, and the host had things that he had to say, and they were very carefully chosen words. And then Jesus takes this piece of bread and he takes it and he breaks it. And he says this incredibly surprising things. He changes the whole, the whole dynamic of everything. And he says, this is my body. And all the disciples once more must have gone, what? This is my, no, he's not supposed to say that at the Passover meal. This is my body. This is my body? It would become clear in a matter of a few days what he meant by that, but this bread is like a symbol of who he is, that he came in the flesh, he came and took on our bodies, our flesh, so that he become, could become the sin bearer, the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He had to become one of us. And he said, this is where you're going to find life. This is my body, which is given to you. Take it and eat it. Let's do that. And then you remember what he said? He took the cup after the supper and he, and again, he, he changed the, the storyline. It was so different from anything they'd ever experienced before. He said, this is my blood. My, my blood? 
See, we're so used to this, we don't realize how incredibly surprising that was and how the disciples must have gone, wait, wait, wait a minute, I, I don't understand this. This is my blood. And then he, he goes on to explain which is the blood of the new covenant because it is out of this, in this new covenant of his blood being shed for us that you can have forgiveness. It's poured out for the forgiveness of sins because of the blood of Christ, you are forgiven staggering, surprising, wonderful truth. Let's drink together. Pray with me, would you? Father, we come to you now and we First of all, we just pause and thank you that we can call you Father. What a surprising, incredible gift you have given to us that we can call you Father and know that we are your children. We know, Father, that your thoughts and your ways are higher than ours. We know, at least in our minds, and we're wrestling with how do we live with it and how do we respond and how do we think your thoughts after you and follow in the ways that you want us to follow. So here we are one more time. We are your people and we are in need. Everybody listening to my voice has need. And the amazing thing is, Father, I know that you know every single one of them, that you know them by name and you know every heartache and problem and difficulty and question and struggle and you know every blessing you've given and you know everything that has happened and everything that will happen. So we cry out to you in this moment, Father, and we thank you that you've revealed to us that you are a surprising, amazing, almighty, loving God who is good. I pray for your people, Father, help us in these days to know how to follow you, speak to us in a way that we can hear and understand. And Lord, allow us to grow in faith and confidence, oh, and joy, so that we can bring praise to who you are and what you've done for us in the life of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. In his name we pray. Amen. Amen. Mm -hmm.